Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from a former Winnipegger, Shay LaRoche, who's heading to the Olympics as part of Canada's women's water polo team. Kelly Moore talked with her. And also we'll hear from Rob Gale as Valor FC gets set to face Halifax Wednesday night. He's pretty pumped about England winning their game against Germany. That's all coming up on the podcast. Valor FC tomorrow night taking on Halifax. A 6 p.m. start. As we got to hear from Rob Gale today, head coach and GM of the club. And in Euro 2020 today, England, which is where Rob is from, beat Germany 2-0 to advance to the quarterfinals. He he kind of kept his composure during the, the presser, but I, I want to start with how he ended. After they said, all right, we're good. Thanks, everyone, for your time. Here was Rob Gale. Come on, England. How about those three lines today? Come on! Slamming his fists on the table. This presser started at 1.30. The England match ended just about 1 o'clock. So he was buzzing for sure. And someone asked him, is soccer coming? Is it coming home? And he's like, eh, don't want to don't jinx it. Don't want to jinx it. So we'll start with the news that fans are going to be in the stands soon. Yesterday, the CPL and Valor FC announced starting next Wednesday, up to 2,000 fully vaccinated fans will be allowed into each CPL kickoff game at IG Field. So what did Rob have to say about that? Yeah, it's so nice, mate. Honestly, um, it's reward for the hard work of all the public servants, the frontline workers, the doctors, the nurses, the people who've self-isolated since as long as we can remember and, and done the right things. You know, it's just, it's so nice to have fans, the, the team, sports in general, just look at what it's like with fans. It, it, it makes the sport what it is, right? That's why we love it. So really excited, most of all, for the people that get to come in and uh, and hopefully it's some something to look forward to on their calendar because we haven't had it for such a long time. And what about the pride he feels now as a Manitoban to get to the point where it's safe to have fans? Uh, yes, everyone's, it's so many emotions, right? It's so many people that have lost loved ones, um, suffered losses, unimaginable really, people, livelihoods, jobs. It, it, it's been terrible to see um, and, and we've all gone through it together, but, you know, we all stick together. That's what I love about Manitoba. We, we we support each other. We rally each other when we're down. And look, if our team can provide some some relief, some something to look forward to, some joy, 90 minutes where you can scream at the top of your lungs with your, you know, like-minded people, sports fans, you know what it's like. It, it's camaraderie. It's fellowship. It's friendship. We miss that. Um, you know, I don't think they can hug yet, but hopefully – there'd be some virtual fist bumps. I mean, you just see the England game and the fans fell all over each other and went bananas when Sterling scored. So um, look, hopefully we can provide entertainment, enjoyment um, and, and some relief from, from the, the hard times that we've all gone through. And like I say, really, I hope there's there's room for the, the frontline workers, the, the, the people that have got us to this stage, the doctors, the nurses, the social workers, the teachers, the shop workers, because they deserve it more than anybody, right? Now, I asked him about playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. They play Halifax tomorrow, Ottawa Saturday at 1 p.m. Initially was the scheduled time. Then next Wednesday, and then the Sunday the 11th, and 15th, and 18th, a lot of games. And it's supposed to be really hot this weekend. So this was his plea to the league 
to change the start times from 1 p.m. on Saturday. And this was just before it was announced that, indeed, they would move the start time. The league's got a chance right now to do something very smart and, and show its nimbleness that they've done consistently and move the kickoff time on Saturday because we're expecting that heat wave to come through from BC. Uh, we've asked for it. The medical staff have asked for it. There's no way we should be playing at 1 o'clock in the heat. The part of the tournament and the bubble, the way it's set up, is no teams train between 12 and 4 because of the heat. So I'm, I'm imploring the people listening and the people at the league and the organisers and the media pro who have to schedule these games to move that game on Saturday because we'll be playing Wednesday night. It'll be less than 72 hours between games and it's expected to be 36-37, which are then at one o'clock in the afternoon in the prairies on turf will feel like 45. And the last time they did this to us in Forge in the first year, we had six players in hospital with heat exhaustion. And then, trust me, you cannot recover. You cannot recover from heat exhaustion. It, it takes at least a week. So if we've got to then go and play again on the Wednesday night and then the Sunday, I'm begging the people listening to move that game on Saturday now. Uh, our focus is obviously immediate on tomorrow night, and it's just about 72 hours. It's literally the bare minimum between games. We understand the realities and scheduling, and we knew what we've signed up for. Uh, lots of teams are the same. Halifax obviously has the day's extra rest, um, so that's an advantage to them. But uh, you've got to use your whole squad. You've got to have depth. You've got to have rotation. We got 15, 14 players in, 15 players in in the first game. Uh, we're going to need to do the same again now and, and monitor everybody's health and fitness and really look. Coaches, we have a job to do, but it's the medical staff and the sports science and the lads themselves in, in between games now. There's very little chance to do tactical work. It's all about recovery and rehydration and trying to get ready as quickly as you can and as best as you can. And just before, or just after, I should say, the, that press conference we had with Rob Gale this afternoon, the league did announce that the start times were going to be changed for all four games on the weekend. Originally, the games were going to be at 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. The 1 p.m. games have now been moved to 9 p.m. The 4 p.m. games moved to 6 p.m. So Valor FC will now take on Atletico Ottawa at 9 p.m. on Saturday. Cavalry against the Wanderers at 6 p.m. on Saturday. On Sunday at 6, it's Forge versus Pacific. And then at 9 p.m., FC Edmonton versus York United. So on the topic of tomorrow's game, what did Rob Gale learn about their win against Forge Sunday that can help them going into game two tomorrow against Halifax? Uh, look, it's going to be two completely different uh, games, two completely different teams. Uh, but what I liked is that the boys executed a game plan for 90 minutes. And if you can do that, togetherness, so um, the work rate, the ability to execute in key moments, uh, it always gives you a chance, right? And, and maybe that's where we've fallen down in the past is we've done it for halves of football. Uh, I remember a similar game to that Forge one in Forge in the first year and we were 1-0 up with 86 minutes to go and got robbed with two set pieces. Um, you've got you've got to be able to execute that. That's part of being a professional athlete and a, a professional football player. So I think for me, the, the fact that to a man, the, the 15 that played, did their role, their responsibility, nothing more. There's no great fireworks. Um, 
and they stuck to a game plan and uh, it paid off. So we'll try and take that. It'll be a completely different game plan, a completely different game, completely different opposition. Um, but those are the, that's the bread and butter of being a, a high-level top professional footballer. You have to do your job and, and execute well when it counts. Halifax, they had minimal turnover in the offseason. They finished second in the Island Games competition, losing in the final to Forge. How much does that familiarity help them going into this year? There's a reason they were the number two team in the country last year. It doesn't get any easier for us. Uh, that final, as you know, could have gone either way as well. They're so dangerous on the counter-attack. Um, they're, they're resolute. The, the, the keeper has been a standout for them. Peter Schall at the back. Restrepo, who I used to have with the national team. You can see they've got all the building blocks. Um, Rampersad's been one of the most consistent players in the league. Uh, Akeem Garcia, top goal scorer and golden boot winner, MVP contender. Um, it doesn't get any easier, right? It's no easier than Forge for sure. We, we've had to face the top two teams off the bat. We're going to be on very short rest going into this game. Uh, I think they've had an extra day's rest than us. And it, it's going to present a, a, a tough challenge, no doubt about it. But it's one we've got to be ready for and one we've got to embrace. They have not won back-to-back games in franchise history. Their first season, 2019, they didn't win a lot. Last year, there weren't a lot of games. And so how can they get this done tomorrow night? And why hasn't it happened before? Consistency of performance, Ed, and, and the ability to execute the game plans for 90 minutes. Uh, I think at times last year, for sure, uh, when we beat Ottawa, we were very good first half against York, but we had 48 hours rest less than. So it's tough. It's tough in these circumstances. If I had seven game, days between games, I might have a chance, but we don't. That's a reality for everyone. So... You've got to try and get the energy levels up, the consistency of performance up. Uh, take your chances like we did on Sunday in, in key moments. But the mentality has to be the same work rate, the same effort, the same solidarity, the same organization, the commitment to your role and your responsibility. Um, and that's just professional sports, buddy. That's why people stay in the room. The ones who are more consistent and do their job day in, day out are the ones who get longer contracts and last longer and have better careers. So we just need them to be professional uh, and and you know, hopefully a bit of lady luck. Hopefully we don't get the injuries, deflections like we got against Halifax in the, the bubble last year. It didn't, it didn't, we didn't get the rubber to green that our performance probably deserved. So there's so many factors, but look, first and foremost, consistency of performance in our, in our locker room. And finally, he was asked, what are the biggest external hurdles to playing strong soccer in this bubble? Well, I think for us, it's just the short preseason and the number of bodies available, honestly. I mean, that's nothing to do with the bubble. It, it's it's just the reality of what it is and getting players in and, and not having a full deck of cards to play at the table, right? That That's tricky. I mean, yeah, for Halifax, it's, it's been tough. They haven't gotten the field, but if they came into IG field flying from Halifax for a game, they'd get one training session as well. So we've we've trained the last three days at um, at Bison. Obviously, it's our field. I've heard all the comments yet. We're home field advantage. Now we've got fans yet. Yeah, it's, it's all rigged for Vela. Yes, that's, that's happening. But um, we're uh, for us, it, I think those are the biggest challenges. Obviously, it's tough being away from your, your family. Um, when you're on your doorstep, Galan's got his little baby two blocks down the road, Daryl Fordyce, his toddler, 
my two girls, Damien's four kids, Patrick's two daughters. That that's that's tough. It's tough being away. Um, a little bit tougher because you feel so close. I look out the window and if I've asked them to come and visit the Canadian Museum of Human Rights because I can see that from my doorstep. So I just get friends and family and, and, and people I care about walking by the building that keeps me energized and an England win keeps you energized as well. Yeah, he loves the England soccer, yes. Rob Gale, Halifax is taking on Valor tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Now let's talk Olympics, shall we? And the they're just less than a month away. It's crazy. They're just flying up on me. 23rd of July is the opening of the Olympics. And once again, our city and province will be well represented. That list includes former Winnipegger Shayla Roche, who earlier this week was named to the Canadian Olympic water polo team. Spoke with our sports director Kelly Moore earlier today from a rather exotic locale where the ter- team is currently training. Before we do anything, tell, tell us about how you got this gig on Axos on an island in Greece. Uh, uh, it must be just beautiful there. <laughs> well, it is. So we left home May 10th, and we're gone until after the Olympics. So this is kind of our halfway point right now. Um, we just finished a tournament uh, just over a week ago. So, you know, our coaches, thankfully, <laughs> decided we could use, like, a little break before uh, before getting, like, full, full throttle into the last stretch of the Olympics. So, this is our little recovery, and we were just in Athens, so we uh, took a little boat ride over to Naxos and are relaxing and recovering here. Yeah, so it's just kind of light training and that sort of thing before you accelerate for just before the Olympic tournament starting? Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so as you mentioned, you started this road trip on May the 10th, but I'm going to back up the truck a little further and uh, let's dive into how you became involved in water polo because uh, I don't know. Are there any other Manitobans, Shay, who have ever played on the national water polo teams uh, for either men or women? Um, yeah, we've had ever since ever since I started water polo, we've kind of always had one. Um, not many, but we've always had one like hanging in there somehow. So I, I've been by myself since I was, uh, oh gosh, probably 17. Uh-huh. But there was a girl a, a year older than me who played with me while we were on junior teams and stuff. But, yeah, it's quite small in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the Pan Am Games, but I remember Daryl Bourne and the yeah. uh, and Team Canada uh, really uh, uh, taking the town by storm with how well they played in that tournament. And it, So what was the connecting dot for you, Shay, to get involved in the sport then? Um, well, when I was young, I liked to try kind of every sport I could, and I always really liked being in the water. Um, swimmers amaze me, but I just could not uh, only swim, you know, like just the swimming back and forth. Like I needed something a bit more um, like aggressive, engaging, more um, spontaneous kind of. So my teacher in grade seven um, suggested I played water polo. Her husband, Dave Hill, was my coach at Bushido, my club in Winnipeg. So she was like, oh, you know, my husband runs this club like this sport's amazing and so she had me go my mom actually her and my mom made me go I did not really want to you know I was that age it was grade seven I when my mom asked what sport I was signing up for I said I just wanted to hang out with my friends <laughs> so she made me go and of course the first practice I fell in love with it yeah it's amazing how those life-altering decisions uh, work out when you look back on them. So when you started the sport, Shay, did you ever have any visions 
of being able to compete at the international level for your country? No, it was never something like obviously the Olympics was always like amazing, but it, it was never something that I thought I could do until after a few months of playing and like people were like, wow, you're, you know, you're catching on really fast. You're doing really well. And there was a few girls on our team involved in um, the youth national teams. And my coach was like, you know, like you could, you could be doing that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like maybe. And so, but then once I started on the role with the national team, then it became uh, it became like the dream that seemed more attainable. So when was that in your career, Shay? You mentioned, uh, you know, you go back to when you were 17, that, that type of thing. Was it at that age that you realized, hey, I can uh, I can really make my mark in this sport? Yeah, I think it was about 16, 17, I would say. 15 was the first time I made the youth national team. So it was the first time I, I traveled. My first trip was to Budapest, and I was like, oh. just... And that's when it seemed like real, like, you know, wow, I'm going across the world. Or even the my first year I played, we took a trip to Montreal and a trip to Toronto. And even that, you know, from Winnipeg was like amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, as you became more and more involved in the national program, obviously more opportunities opened up. How then did you uh, wind up going to the University of Indiana? Um, they, we had a coach there, Barry King, he was my coach, um, who already had a few Canadians there. So, you know, for us, there's not that much water polo in Canada and, and playing in the NCAA in the States is, you know, kind of the next step if you want to continue playing and being involved in water polo. Um, so there was a few Canadians from BC already there. So he came to our youth national and he saw me play and he, uh, he made an offer. So I went on my recruiting trip. And I fell in love with the school, so I went. Right on. And that's, uh, uh, is that one of the hotbeds for water polo, if you will, in the NCAA ranks? Or are there other schools you could have gone to? Um, actually, the biggest, it's really big in California. As you can imagine, it, it makes sense. They have outdoor pools. It's, it's, it's really like water polo is a really popular sport there. So most of the top teams are from there. Um, while I was at Indiana, we did, we, we did quite well. And we, I think we ended we ended up top 10 and we went to the NCAA championships two out of four years I was there. So we did do very well, but it's not typically considered one of the top, top schools. Right. So now yeah. uh, from there, then you uh, uh, wind up uh, becoming part of the, uh, the national team program. Uh, so just for those of us, Shay, who might not know uh, uh, the same about water polo that we know about some of the more <laughs> traditional sports, how does it work? Like, how many players are in the pool at the same time? And, uh, you know, can you get elbowing penalties in that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, so we have seven players in the pool at a time. So there's six field players and one goalie on each team. Um, we have a shot clock, so kind of like basketball. We have 30 seconds or 20 seconds, um, depending on the type of play. Uh, yeah, so we all play offense. We all play defense. Obviously, the goalie plays defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so you're trying to score on opposite ends, kind of similar to soccer, going up and down and uh, having a goal at the end. And there's fouls. So there's a just, like you said, like elbowing, grabbing a suit, um, just being too heavy on someone. And then we have uh, exclusions, kind of like hockey. So you get sent to a timeout box for 20 seconds. Gotcha. So now, what, yeah. what what strengths does Shay LaRoche bring to the Canadian team? Uh, uh, like, what is it you do so well, Shay, that you're a national team player? 
Um, what I'm best at is blocking. So, I mean, I'm not a goalie. I kind of wanted to be, but <laughs> I'm not. That wasn't that wasn't in the cards. Um, yeah. So, blocking is definitely one of my strengths. And then I have a I have a very fast release shot. I have short arms, so I release the ball very fast. <laughs> right on. And it, it, so I, I did do a little bit of research uh, on this before we started our chat, and, and it seems to me, and please feel free to correct me, but uh, it looks like in the grand scheme of things, the Americans are the powerhouse that everybody is trying to defeat, and, and Canada is right there. It, 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 can you draw a parallel between maybe the Canadian women's water polo team and the Canadian women's soccer team uh, in terms of where they are in the international rankings? Um, yeah, so with Waterfall, it's hard. we definitely have the states at the top. Um, they, you know, they've built a great system, and it's been years now that they're just very good at playing their system and playing together, and they're really above everyone. Um, but after that, it's very close. Like, the next, like, eight, nine teams, you know, we're all very, very close. So it's just who's going to perform, who's going to be ready that day, um, who's going to, you know, take it away. Yeah. So, Yeah. So who, yeah, are, who, are some of those, who are some of those other countries, Shay? Uh, you don't have to give us the whole list, but, uh, uh, you know, would you, like say, would Japan be involved in there as well as the host of the Olympics? Or um, No, Japan, I would say, is a bit lower than that, but a lot of the European teams are up there. So, like, Hungary, Russia, Spain, right. um, the Netherlands are all, all quite good teams. So that's why you're... Yeah, we'll see that. Right. So you started off, in, I believe it was in California, then went to Italy, then now you're in Greece, and, and yeah. then you're going to Hungary for your final preparation. So uh, have you yeah. had it, because of COVID, uh, have you had a chance to play as many games as you normally would to prepare for the Olympics? No. So we hadn't played games since last December. So December of 2019 now. So it had been a very, very long time for us. And usually we would be going away, you know, at least once every two months and at least having a training camp and having games and stuff. So that's why we've left now for three months is we just really needed to kind of catch up and get as much game experience as we can. Because exactly with COVID, you know, you can only play each other so much. and We really needed to play together and play against um, different opponents. So that's where the big three-month trip came in place. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I guess you. Do you think your husband and your dog will still remember you when you get back home? <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm not sure, but yeah. I hope so. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Shay uh, Laroche, uh, uh, Ni Fournier. Uh, I'm sure you still have family in Winnipeg. A lot of friends, so uh, they'll, they'll yeah. remember anybody you went to school with. They'll remember you as that. But uh, just before we let you go, and I thank you kindly for the time. Uh, any trepidation or hesitancy on your part about going to Tokyo? And the only reason I ask that, Shay, is because, you know, there's been a couple of tennis players like Serena Williams and Denis Shapovalov who have opted out of the Olympics. Was that ever spoken about between you and your teammates, or is it full steam ahead? No, you know, for us, it's been full steam ahead. We've just really, like, trusted our organization and trusted, um, like, the systems that are in place and stuff, and we're just so excited to play that, yeah, we're just full steam ahead. Yeah. Now, it sounds like you're a world traveler. Have you ever been to Tokyo before? <laughs> uh, yeah, we have. We went a couple of years ago. I've been twice now, actually. So we did joint training with Japan um, a few times. So yeah. we're, we're ready. Right on. So it won't, it won't be anything. Uh, I, knew, I mean, it will be the Olympics, but at <laughs> least uh, there's, a, you know, there, there's a little bit of uh, having been there and done that before type of thing then. 
Yeah, exactly. At least we'll have some familiarity with it. Right on. And just before I let you go, I have to ask, because you are living in Montreal now, uh, have you had a chance to get swept up at all in the uh, excitement and the ecstasy with what's going on with the Canadians in the playoffs? <laughs> well, we've been gone for so long. It doesn't even feel like I live in Montreal anymore, but um, my husband would definitely want me to say that, yes, oh. yes <laughs> we are excited. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this.